Are you listening to Discovery Debrief? And uh, so did I. It's Jason Isaacs, who was, at some point, some version of Captain Lorca. Right now, I'm just a fan. Welcome back to Discovery Debrief, a podcast setting a course to discuss the future of the final frontier in Star Trek Picard, Star Trek Prodigy, Strange New Worlds, and more. I'm co-host Cicero Holmes, and I'm joined by almost our full complement of franchise devotees, including Rachel Clow. Hey. Chris Clow. Hello there. And Ty Monaghan. Uh, there are actually two of me joining you on this episode, but one of me is dead and one of me must live. All right. <laughs> Which one will it be? Uh, those questions and more will be answered today or maybe this season on Picard. <laughs> We're not sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, this is a show we're watching. Um, well, but you know what? Let's let's talk about it, right? We're we're returning from a week long shore leave to discuss episodes eight and nine of Star Trek Picard season two. So uh, let's get into it. A reminder for our listeners that our episode discussions on Discovery Debrief are meant to be an accompaniment to your episodic viewing and not as a replacement for watching. Please be sure to have watched our subject show prior to listening to ensure that you get the most out of our discussion. Also, we would be remiss if we didn't add a trigger warning for suicide and self-harm for this episode. We probably won't delve too deeply into the subject, But if those conversations leave you with any discomfort, we will let you know prior to that discussion. So uh, I I think we're just going to go right ahead and get right into this, uh, into both of these episodes and and their uh, happenings, Um, occurrences, (laughs) events. transpirations. No, that's not a word. Picard season two, episode eight, Mercy. Wells tries to make Picard and Guinan confess to being aliens. He separates them and gives his own life meaning. Uh, no, and he separates them and, uh, and Guinan is visited by Q, who explains that he is dying and that the trial is a final attempt to give his own life meaning. He notes that all humans are stuck in the past and Guinan uses astral projection to share this message with Picard. So, we finally know what's wrong with Q. He's dying. Chris, is this what Q meant by saying he hopes to make a worthy student? I think so. Um, I mean, the the concept of mortality, conceivably, for the entirety of his existence, save for uh, a hot minute when he was uh, turned into a human being is alien to him. Um, it seems like 
you know, it's weird how they set this up with the, the time shenanigans, because one of the things, and I wasn't on the, the discussion that you guys had for the prior episode, but um, there's a lot of, it seemed, it just felt like a lot of filler to get to this point. Yeah. And Q is one of the things that I was most interested in, in observing for this season. So the fact that we had so little of him, relatively speaking to the, the what I thought were subplots that were going on, it turns out Q is the subplot. Um, it was a little disappointing, but the concept of a Q who has to deal with mortality without necessarily changing the nature of his existence is kind of interesting. But as it seems like we say so much when it comes to these penultimate episodes of, of a Star Trek season in the modern era, we have to see how it lands. And um, the ship is a little bit shaky approaching (laughs) the runway. So, um, you know, it's coming in too fast. It it is coming. I mean, granted, you know, we'll get into the next episode, of course, but um, at least it doesn't feel like there is an abundance of things to overcome that can't necessarily be landed. Like sure. it feels more steady in that respect. But right. Q is a big one. And um, it seems like if this is going to end up being a finale for the character, which is certainly possible considering what we know about season three of Picard, um, I hope it's a satisfying one, but it just doesn't seem like a substantive enough appearance from him by this point in time. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the reference to the quote was from um, the Star Trek Voyager episode uh, featuring Quinn, uh, another member of the continuum who Q assisted in uh, his, his taking his own life. Right. And, and, um, and him saying that he wanted to be a a worthy student in in Quinn's ability to be be fearless, um, and and you know sh- showing showing his mortality, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I think I think you said it right, Chris. That the the fact is that we we thought going in that Q would be part of the main plot and he really is the subplot and we haven't gotten a lot uh about or from the character during the course of the season even though we've seen him in scenes here and there um so this revelation it, I don't know that it necessarily had the gravitas with me that I think it was supposed to have. And I think part of the reason uh, that is, is because uh, just how, uh, how uh, sparingly John Delancey was, has been used in in the rest of this uh, season for, for everybody else. Now that we know why, uh, now that we know why does this make the trip so far this season feel worth it? Ty? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't even like what's the reveal that that Q is dying. Yes. I mean, in episode whatever one or two, I mean, Picard was like, "Oh, you're really not well," and we knew that something was seriously wrong with him. I agree with like what you guys are saying about now that we're getting to this point in the season, it just feels like once again the pacing is totally off. But like, um, 
you know, I just looked up like the TNG episode, the inner light on uh, IMDb. The runtime is 45 minutes, you know? And so I think what we're worried about is being really, really big stakes that they don't have time to tell only feel big because they've waited a whole season to get around to them. I don't feel like there's any reason why whatever, like, okay, Q is dying. How is that more than one episode? Like, I I don't understand why you need to stretch this storytelling out. Like to me, it's just, I I thought we already kind of were supposed to have surmised that he was in some kind of critical mortal danger. Um, so I don't know. It's just really not hitting home for me. And I'm really, I mean, this is the least interested I've ever been in um, what's coming up, you know, this week on Picard. <laughs> uh, watch it because it's the finale and I'm curious how they're going to wrap some things up. But um, especially with this, that, like we all thought was kind of supposed to be the core, you know, message of the season and kind of like what the the emotional theme of the season was supposed to revolve around it's just really not doing anything for me. And I find myself really frustrated that, uh, you know, I'm thinking about during the episode and we are talking a lot about things like pacing and writing decisions instead of the stuff that I want to, you know, that, that we're all watching star Trek because of like, you know, like connections and what, what does it mean? Like, what does humanity mean? I mean, you guys, I feel like maybe they needed to do some, uh, you know flashbacks and showing like the you know the the looping uh semi-transparent image of the previous episodes from previous series like you know looping on the screen (laughs) because you know you guys are i I think finding a lot of positives and and making a lot of connections that aren't readily apparent to me uh and i thank you for doing that you know i want to like the show i want to enjoy this ride um and it really has been kind of hard for me to do that and and I've, I've been waiting for q to show back up too and then when he did i was sort of like wait what like right. you're doing this why like oh man so yeah uh rachel where, where are you right now how, how are you enjoying this trip uh i mean i gotta be honest i uh forgot that q was dying until you just mentioned it so right. i have thought about it approximately zero really times <laughs> Since I watched the episode, yeah, and including a whole nother episode that I watched and did not think about it affected you, in that you so deeply that you repressed it. <laughs> yes, so I had to go uh, into a coma to re- <laughs> my memories back. Was Talon uh, there? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. she uh, looks just like Chris. <laughs> Are you a uh, Romulan? <laughs> Chris's ears are stretching. No. Um, yeah, uh, Ty. The the thing that you said about the 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 fact that like we're we are uh, we are like evoking things from from stuff that's not on the screen, right? We're evoking things from our history, from our knowledge of Star Trek to try and find meaning in this episode of Picard. Um, And that's a problem, right? Because uh, you don't want Star Trek to be gatekeepery, right? Like you don't want, like one of the great things uh, about Lower Decks is that your knowledge of Star Trek only enhances your enjoyment of 
of that show. Yeah, like it's not, cool to have the connections, but you don't right, necessarily want them to be right. so required that somebody yeah. without the connections doesn't understand what's going on. Absolutely. absolutely. Can I ask, like, you know, maybe what is potentially a, a stupid question here? Mm-hmm. I, I thought at the beginning of the season, Q sort of told Picard that the reason for his changing the timeline and everything was like it had to do with some kind of deficit in Picard that he was like refusing to acknowledge and like I've expressed on like many past episodes of debrief I I think I'm still just not like I think I'm missing something is there you know did I misunderstand that at the beginning of the season? Have I missed whatever that message was supposed to be? I mean, to me, I, Picard has sort of like, he, you know, he's explored this thing about his past. No, Kai, because, I mean, when he looks intently at Picard and says, this isn't a lesson, it's a penance. <laughs> right. I don't think you're misinterpreting anything. Uh, I mean, right. What exactly is he going to be paying for? And why is the cost as high as it appears to be external of him? We haven't had those questions answered yet, as far as I know. And- oh, what, are you, what are you guys talking about? The, the answer is, is him repressing the memory of his mother. And the circumstances of his mother, that was the penance. Was, but was didn't, didn't seem like he indicated really he involved any knowledge. In that? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and, and one thing that I did find heartening in this episode was I am not the only one. There are even people in the universe who are confused about, like, I forget. It, it must have been Guinan, and I'm sorry that I don't remember exactly who said it. But somebody's like, you sent us back here. And he's like, no, I didn't. Well, I just changed right. the timeline. You sent yourselves back here. And I was like, thank you for that reminder because that has <laughs> Got very muddy for me. Yes, very much so. Very much so. Um, yeah, I, I like I kept when I was thinking about the plot, I was thinking about like, you know, what like how are we resolving the plot? Like Q sent them back in time. And it's not that Q literally sent them back in time, but in my brain, yeah, like Ty, I I I, you know, I definitely conflated the two that Q sent them back in time. Yeah. And and you know, as opposed to uh, Q manipulating the timeline and and kind of like uh, direct steering steering Picard and his crew into this direction where yeah all the under the broad to, umbrella of right time right. foolery yes. yeah I mean it was, a, it, it was an indirect way that yes. you could argue Q sent right. everybody back in time but, but he, he seems to yeah. certainly known that's what Picard would do. In, right. in yeah. response to the situation, but he, hurl he, himself around a star with a fork queen navigating him. <laughs> he's dealt with this guy before. He's right. going to try and rise to whatever occasion is put in front of him, even if he's in like a a robo body that has the characteristics of a ninety five year old. That's just the right. nature of his existence, and it doesn't matter what the limitations are, but. No, I mean, just in general, I don't think it's it's outside the the realm of being reasonable to feel like eh, maybe they were selling a little bit of a false bill of goods with this season. I mean, Q was on so many of the promotional materials, and I don't know. I part of me feels like the way that this season played out is directly attributable to the. Uh, the environment in which they had to shoot during the pandemic. 
that's just speculation on my part. Right. I don't know. And it's not like they're going to be openly talking about what their limitations are in, in shooting a season of TV. Yeah, but I think minimizing extras, minimizing makeup, um, like minimizing like set dressing you have to do so you set it in the 24th or in the 21st century uh seven's makeup is gone because you went to another universe like these are considerations that i think are covid influence because it it decreases the amount of people you have to be on have to be on set every day which is not to say that that couldn't be a good thing because the star trek itself is an example of thriving on certain restraints like the right. original series mm-hmm. was all thriving on restraint. Right, but those when, were, when I, I mean, I guess but, they were they were all that was out of necessity, but it was out of necessity in a different way. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Like it, these, those were those. They were, didn't have the money. Right. I, right. Those look, were. Planned. I've started watching TOS. I've only watched two episodes, but I feel like thriving in the face of constraints is an excellent description of that series <laughs> from what i've seen it's awesome but like yeah i mean well, that, that's like an example and i I'm, i know i always bring it back to tos but it really is in my mind anyway an example of the fact that you know the the, the sets look rather cartoonish in comparison to other tv even contemporary tv of its time Um, you know, it's not like they had the biggest budget when it came to hiring performers, but they lucked out when it came to the principles and it was really the ideas that had to be front and center to distract from the fact that you're doing a space show on a shoestring budget, you know, like all of those things work in the original series favor on this show, you have the money to bring in high caliber performers, which they do with, uh, with Patrick Stewart. And uh, the the, uh, the actor who plays uh, Captain Rios and Michelle Hurd. So many great performances Ryan. here. Alison Pill. Yeah. I mean, right. Alison yeah. Pill. I mean, holy hell, is she far more versatile than I ever gave her credit for? Which is a cool Absolutely. component. But are the ideas that are front and center? Uh, are they justifying the journey that we've gone on now for at this point eight episodes? Far more subjective, in my estimation, not really. Right, you're right. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess uh, you're right in calling it subjective, but but it but it almost it almost uh, it crosses the line into objectivity. Um, you know, <laughs> I I think that Rachel's observations are are very well made, um, but it and it leads you to speculating on what they could have done differently versus yeah i mean you know this this season was compl- shot completely during covid right yeah the entire thing was was conceived and produced during covid but to that point and this isn't a show about the next series but so right. was strange new worlds at right. least the first season right um but it's got a totally different premise exactly um, exactly so- you know yeah the you the procedural take in, nature take into account the fact that your star is like pretty old That's and true. high yeah. risk yeah. for covid yes. I, yeah. yeah um yeah i think I'm yeah sure I, I definitely think he was in like a hermetically sealed container <laughs> right. they're always making him they're always making patrick start run around and stuff too right <laughs> he wants to get his exercise yeah it's getting his steps in um well let's let's move on with with some more of this plot uh 
Wells Wells reveals that he encountered aliens when he was a child and thought they wanted to kill him. But Picard explains that these were Vulcans who only tried to erase his memories. Wells is forced to release Picard and Guinan after the FBI dismisses him for conducting an illegal investigation. Meanwhile, Rafi and Seven <laughs> find uh, the, the queen collecting car and phone batteries to modify Girardi's body and make it capable of assimilation. She attacks them, but Agnes is able to force her to stop and leave. So it turns out that the internet speculation about Wells being a time agent seems to not be true. Maybe. Wait, right? what? The internet? Well, the internet. Well, I, was I mean, that's what, not correct that, about something. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It was crazy, but no. Uh, so yeah, in our last episode, uh, uh, Dan Decker came and, and said that uh, somebody was telling him that it, and it turns out it is, it's the, the actor that plays Wells, the FBI agent also played the time agent mm-hmm. in uh, Star Trek enterprise. Oh, in really? enterprise. Yes. Um, realize he that. played, he played mm-hmm. a time agent, not the time agent. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was speculation that, that he was, he was a time agent. And, uh, but not, he's not a time agent. All right. He's just a regular old guy. I really think you're thinking of Voyager. I'm, I'm Voyager, pretty positive Voyager, that it's yeah, Voyager. Yeah. yeah. Voyager. Not, not, uh, I've never seen enterprise, so I can't guarantee he was not also in that, but yeah, when they have the episode, uh, there's an episode, uh, of Voyager where they basically have like, they're they're basically like time cops, and they right. go through time, yeah. and they yeah. they Lieutenant. do incursions, and they change stuff or whatever. Right? right? He played Lieutenant Duquesne in the fifth mm-hmm. season Voyager episode Relativity. Voyager. Right. So that was yes, yes. Uh, one of the that that was the episode where Seven had to go back in time to like season one of Voyager and blend in in a uniform and oh, gave right. her like a hologram to get rid of her implants. And yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. So he, yeah, that, that's, I mean, right. that's a totally uh, understandable trap to fall into. And right. it wouldn't surprise me if they invited that speculation. Yes. Well, that's what that made it sound like was that the yes. actor definitely was playing into people's, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah like tendency so, to yeah, make those that, connections. Yeah, and 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 would have definitely been on brand for this season since they have already right. had uh, several different callbacks to, uh, you know, uh, the Enterprise cru- or crews from the twenty third and twenty fourth century, uh, and now the twenty fifth century uh, making their way back to Earth. And doing things, interacting with the same types of people, especially in Los Angeles. Well, so it turns out Wells is just a regular old guy, and Agnes of Borg is just living her best Avril Lavigne life in LA. <laughs> so, how is it possible for her to go on a mini rampage and attract no official attention tie? Uh, I just want to compliment you for saying the phrase "modify Girardi's body" so so fluidly <laughs> uh, a minute ago. Um, but to answer your question, I like I'm I don't mean to sound super negative and like I'm just ragging on the show, but I just like genuinely don't care. Like none of this seems to make a ton of sense to me. She needs to eat stabilizing metals so that the nanoprobes can take over her body. Like, okay, that's not a three episode process. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I get it. Like, I, I understand that there's a lot of batteries around. Um, so, 
yeah, you know, I think the authorities are just busy detaining um, immigrants, right? Yeah, yeah. In this yeah, timeline, yeah. that's from what no, I can no, tell, from what no, I've seen. No, that is not the LAPD. That is, that's Homeland Security. <laughs> yeah, you're right. They were very, spe- <laughs> you're right. They were very, very specific about that. So I'm sure. <laughs> But yeah, I'm sure they've got other stuff on their plate. I have, I have no idea, but I just on it, you know, I, I get it. You know, Gerardi is still in there. Her and the Borg Queen are fighting for control. I don't, is one of them going to sing another song? I just like, right. you know, what new zany thing is one of them going to have to do to take control? You know what I mean? Like they're going to walk yeah. past a slot machine and that's going to be the thing. Like, I don't, you know, just do it. Uh, they're going to sing Skater Boy, right, Chris? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Oh, I don't know if I've heard Skater Boy since like 2001. That's, it's, that's an Avril Lavigne song, right? Yes, uh, yeah. that's correct. Yeah, all right, yes, I did it. Right. I did it. it. Yes. yes. I was in peak Avril Lavigne uh, demographic age. So, yes, you're correct. All right. Uh, yeah, all right. Chris uh, has also been traveling the time stream because that song was released in 2002. Oh, oh there you go, see? Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm, I'm way yes. off. I'm way off yes. in my... My Avrilonics, Avrilonomics, yes. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, um, I will admit that, look, I live for the kind of message that the, the moment that Picard is explaining to Wells that they were not there to harm him. Right. I love moments like that. Yes. It seemed like it was almost, I don't know exactly how, uh, I'm pretty sure that this character would have been too young for this to take place, but this, the, the flashback moment looked like a direct callback to one of my favorite, uh, enterprise episodes, carbon Creek, uh, mm. where you yeah. had Vulcans that had, uh, had to dig in into a very small American town in the 1950s. To, right. uh, to wait for a rescue ship that was delayed for some contrived reason, but it led to a fun moment and a Vulcan saying that he had to get home because I love Lucy was on tonight. Uh, <laughs> I'm charmed by that. And I, and I love Lucy. So I like right. seeing stuff like that. <laughs> um, the, you know, was it, was the, the delay that this episode brought to the other plot points worth that? And did it really in the end make all that, like a lot of coincidences had to happen for that to line up. And normally I would go along for the ride on something like that, but it just, it distracted me. So Mm. it took me out of it a little bit, but I appreciate that, you know, one of the core conceits and core messages of Star Trek is that just because someone is other doesn't mean they're a threat. Just because someone is other doesn't mean that they are out to get you. There's a commonality of purpose that we all share. And right. it's not to do harm to one another. It's because we are stronger when we're together. I like that. This was a flawed messenger of that idea. Um, but for what it was, um, you know, uh, uh, I was thirsty for it. So I, I, like in the moment watching it, I appreciated it. And Stuart's delivery was great when he gives those kinds of mm-hmm, Picardian totally. speeches that you want to see. So um, I just I, I honestly like if the show had more of those, then maybe I wouldn't have as many problems with it as I do. But it doesn't. And um 
The stuff with Jurati, I'm of two minds about because there's science fiction by nature has to have contrivances. Like I understand that. And the conduit that these contrivances provide for us is to a pretty varied performance that we've already alluded to from Alison Pill. Like she goes for it in this. And there's no question about that. (laughs) Yeah. She does a good job of totally changing her countenance. I mean, we're, we've now become so accustomed to the, um, here's another tongue twister, jittery Gerardi, right? Right. (laughs) That uh, seeing her totally transform her mindset into someone who is, far too sure of themselves. Like that's a combat boot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like she literally was wearing combat boots in that dress. Um, and, and and so I, I appreciate the performance aspect of it. Uh, the mechanics of it. Yeah. Three episodes worth of material to, to get the Borg nanoprobes up and running through car batteries and, and other scroungeable terrestrial technology that, when we combine it today does not give people the ability to assimilate others. Um, you just don't have that knowledge. I guess not. I mean, and You're nanobots, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's obvious that they're using it to supplement technology that does have that capability. So like that right. stuff is sound, but that doesn't mean that it's not distracting from the storytelling. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I like I said, two of two minds about it. I like the message. Don't necessarily like the delivery. I like the performance, but getting to the performance was clunkier than it seemed like it needed to be. Um, and really, too, like we come to Star Trek for the ideas at play, but it's hard to nail down. And maybe this will all become clear in the finale, but it's hard to nail down exactly what the show is trying to say. Mm-hmm. Like, there were a lot right. of interesting things at the in the very first episode that it could have gone with um, that then seemed to, to be derailed by the time travel. But the time travel gave another opportunity to potentially say something interesting about the world we live in now. But it's not really concerning itself with that either. Like there are callbacks to some of the, uh, the terrible things that we know are happening in the 21st century in the Star Trek universe that were more adequately and substantively explored in deep space nine, for instance, in a like two part. Yeah. <laughs> great two parter. Yeah. Great. But, um, I'm not really sure exactly what the setting is adding to the message yet. Like I said, maybe that'll I become think, clear. It's lost. As you've now. said, Chris, I think we are watching a two parter. It's just a two part. It's in terms of seasons and not episodes. Right. And, and that's, what's, you know, to me, I just, I just keep coming back to that, man. Rachel, uh, what, what are they trying to say? What is uh, the message? I mean, I think Ty and Chris are saying a lot of words that just like add, add up to uh, the writing's not very good on this show. Well, but, like, <laughs> I hesitate to say that though, too. Well, I think a well-written show should the thing you liked about it, the thing you liked most about it was it reminded you of an episode of enterprise that you liked. (laughs) (laughs) That was was more of a component of the setting. I know, but it should be, it should be like, it should, you should seek to write a show that people like 
in and of itself, not like I like this because it reminds me of the thing that I like. Yeah. Well, I, let, <laughs> let, let me clarify something real fast. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I feel like individual components are written well, but when they combine together, it's rather right. nonsensical. Right. Well, yeah. That's. I think yeah. that's probably okay. a good. That's yeah. probably a good um, assessment. It just yeah. doesn't seem like there's quite. A cohesiveness that there needs to be um, with the stories. It doesn't seem like they're arranging them in episodes that feel like they have like the correct like narrative tension. And I think the like Ty, when you're st- when you're telling me like, well, I don't care what happens to Gerardi, and <laughs> like I felt that too. But I just feel like there's not a lot of narrative tension there for me. Like I'm just like, well, she's gonna get the batteries and then start a like assimilating people like right it's gonna happen like yeah, I, it's kind of like i do care what's gonna happen to gerardi i don't care like you know what i mean i don't right. need the blow by blow of like how you know what right. i mean like which bar right. is she gonna go into and blow out the window it's sort of like okay like I, I am interested in what's gonna happen so let's get to what's gonna happen right, right? i let's totally chris used the word right. distracting a couple times and i totally identified with that like i i just like want the show to sort of like get out of its own and i know that doesn't make any sense right like maybe the thing i'm imagining it's like having a crush on somebody who's actually not that great right and maybe that's what i'm experiencing <laughs> is like i'm sort of projecting what i imagine is like the good story i wish was there but i do sort of get what chris is saying like you feel this core of something that you you want to love but you never feel like you're quite given this like the full view of it right it's always kind of elusive and and like they never want to quite let you let you get at it two two final like i said nonsensical but i don't think that was a very elegant way of putting it either indecipherable at this point like maybe it will be more decipherable by the finale but i also think it's fair to point out or at least i'm attempting to be fair in pointing out that you know story is bisected into plot and character and i think that plot this season is far clearer than the first one like i uh, i think you enjoy (laughs) rios and gerardi and rafi and elnor on their individual bases in season one but i feel like i like the characters more in season two like losing elnor was rough rougher than i expected it to be mm-hmm. and rios developing into a captain and getting to show off his leadership skills that stuff has been great and seeing the rafi seven relationship uh develop more has been more interesting than the plot components at least for me um mm-hmm. and some of the things that picard has had to come to terms with are uh potentially interesting we'll get into the next episode when we get into it but character wise that to me seems far stronger than the plot half. Oh, oh, okay. All right. So the first time you said that you thought that the plot was stronger in season two than it was in season one. No, no, no. Just characters. Just characters. Oh, okay. So the are characters. Stronger in season the characters. One, in season two. Uh, than right. Season oh, okay. One. Like, okay. Season one right. was an okay setup, but season right. two right. seems like okay. it's developed the characters. Right. I, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. But plot-wise, yes. Honestly, between both seasons, yeah, plot is the weak point. Yeah, yeah. To which me. which circles back to what your wife said, which is that the writers are not very good. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know, and but but like at a certain point, that is you know it's unfortunate 
but that is a thing that we have to be brave enough to be able to say the, as, as, as four and five people with, with Zachy and who knows what Zachy's feelings are um, about the season of, of Picard, but as, as, as five people who absolutely adore this franchise and, 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 and um, feel like the, 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 for lack of a better word, the dogma of this franchise, the, the intent of the franchise kind of flows through our lives, right? Is, 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 is one of the guiding principles of, of how we live our lives. Um, it's, it's disappointing and, and some, somewhat painful to, to come out and say, Hey, look, there's a show with, with uh you know and the the eponymous character of that show is someone that i absolutely adore but i cannot stand this you know it is, like it is is not a good it's not good this is like our, our kid our our uh, adolescent child has picked up a new uh musical instrument and we all know their 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 performance of it was not good the recital was bad but we like to you know we just like have this. and i think for me like I, I i feel like i kind of i don't know if this is where you're coming from at all chris but like for me there is a huge you know the internet really encourages people to pile on in a way that it's like you don't even want the thing to be successful right like you just want the thing to suck so you can go on the internet and talk about how much it sucks and that's not at all where i don't think any of us are coming from right and so for me again i don't want to speak for chris but there's like a reflexiveness to kind of say no it's not like i don't want to just leave it at bad writing right because i want to make it clear that like i want to love this show and yes. I, like i want to i'm not I, I don't know chris seems a little we'll get that later i'm not as optimistic as you maybe seem to be but <laughs> you know like i want like i hope this last episode blows me away i don't yep. hope that it's like a, a tire fire so i can come on here and talk about how it's a tire fire right <laughs> i hope it makes me like i hope it brings a tear to my eye at some point and makes mm-hmm. me feel things that i am excited to come on and talk to you guys about right well and one thing that i didn't get to express because we weren't on the show at the time but it was one or two episodes before this the first thing i said to rachel is that that was filler and that's unacceptable at this right. point frankly just right. because there's not enough time. There's no, yeah. We're, we, yeah know, we're we know we've got one season left with, with Jean-Luc right. Picard, conceivably one season left with the entire crew of the Enterprise D&E. Um, yeah. We need to, we need to start building up to, and, you know, granted maybe season three is going to be just astronomically great. Um, but they also shot it before they fully digested what the uh the feedback the, from season two <laughs> right it's like i mean and I, i'm hesitant to bring this up but they started shooting justice league two weeks after batman v superman dropped in theaters yeah um granted the director's cut of justice league ended up being fine but that was also several years after they were able to absorb and and four hours right and four hours right <laughs> you could do a lot of things with four hours but I just, I mean, I'm still hopeful that this show is going to be particularly the send off for the, the TNG crew that we all want it to be. Right. But my patience is wearing thin with filler and season two, much to my infinite chagrin, has been far too much filler on the plot side and is not giving me enough substantive meat of the characters that I do really like. Right. So um, I, I love you, Picard. 
but I'm not in love with you. Right. Not, not right now. Not right, right. now. And, and uh, I don't want to, I don't want to just cast off the, the effort of the writers because they demonstrate acumen in certain respects. Um, but I don't know, like the, a combination of factors and a confluence of factors could be mitigating the overall quality of the season. Yeah. Potentially. Well, you know, so let's, let's, uh, power through the the rest of this episode and so we can get into the next episode uh after learning about her true nature Cora leaves her father with help from q the queen persuades soon that he can save his legacy by helping her steal uh la sierra serena uh my spanish is terrible thereby enabling her to conquer the galaxy Soon provides her with a squad of mercenaries to convert into Borg drones. Uh, there will be lots of Borg talk in the next episode as we talk about the next episode. But how did you enjoy the Assimilation Coalition as they just kind of sat there and, and uh, <laughs> got assimilated, Rachel? <laughs> they had weapons and they were just like, oh, okay, this is fine. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I at that like I said, I just assumed that was going to happen. Like once right. the Borg Queen gets loose, she's gonna start assimilating people. I didn't really feel the like like I guess they were trying to stop her, but like I didn't ever feel like that was a possibility. So it just wasn't very dramatic for me. So it's like, oh, okay, it happened. Um, I I I don't feel super good about sung um i guess he is you know as slimy as you expect him to be and i don't know that there's a whole lot else to say there uh completely fair yeah he's just kind (laughs) of a a villain you know he's a villain there's sounds good they got a role for brent spiner um so that's good. Um, <laughs> Ty, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, I, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I'll, I'll just leave it there because I have a lot to say about the next episode. So, okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's perfectly fair, Ty. Um, how did how did you like this? Uh, yeah, this assembly line, you know. I'll just continue on my theme of not really understanding what anybody's plan here is. Like if you can just hire a bunch of mercenaries and they're just going to stand there while you assimilate them, like, are you sure you want to start with even a ship? Like maybe you should just go on Fiverr and be like, Hey, uh, right. Like, or just like, I, I don't know. Like they didn't seem to object in any way. Just like, Hey, you know, you get a free like wristband or whatever if you come get us like to this spot. Like, I don't. It just like really seemed like, uh, just really really hand wavy to obtain yeah. this army all of a sudden after like we just talked about like making such a big fuss out of like spending several episodes getting to the point where you even can assimilate somebody, and right. then all just the sudden with the snap of a finger she's assimilated like these people who again yeah had weapons and and at any point could have been like hey what's she do to that guy like cut it out you know um <laughs> like i didn't sign up for this or again maybe they did in which case just get other people to sign up for it and maybe just like start with earth instead of i d- i i don't understand the plan um right. so yeah <laughs> that's all chris 
Uh, you look like you're dreading me asking you the question, <laughs> but I'm going to ask you the question. Um, what is the plan? Do you know the plan? You're asking the wrong guy. Right. <laughs> look, I mean, I, I've indicated, okay, maybe, maybe this will come out in the wash with the season finale, but I also said that about like uh, the first – couple seasons of discovery and there was granted there was varying successes to those in their own ways but uh we were all talking at those times about how the they just backloaded a lot of things into those season finales in those first couple of years i don't think picard has that problem but um it does have a problem of uh of how substantive the delivery is going to be in the final episode. Uh, because on that level, they've got a lot to, a lot to deliver if they want it, if they want people to leave uh, as, po- as highly satisfied as they possibly can. Well, there's going to be uh, two Renees. So that's something to look forward to. Right. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's like a split of the Zelda timeline, you know, well, they'll it's just like, forget that that was said. That was said right? <laughs> Maybe the Renee is the, the nephew i know we're not on this ep- that episode yet but they told picard that and he just totally he goes i refuse to accept an outcome that hasn't occurred yet it's like did you even listen to what is just- <laughs> it's like it, the zelda timeline is so confusing because the ocarina of time is a divergence point into three separate timelines that are running concurrently but yes. apparently they all meet up at breath of the wild and it's like well, how are you doing that? Because it's either like Ocarina of Time, Link dies. That's a whole other set of story. Link lives in as a kid. That's another one. Or Link lives as adult. And those are all three things that are happening. So if you are going to have Renee die, but also not die, then right. are you not creating a divergence that goes against the Temporal Prime Directive? I... <laughs> Or have they rescinded the Temporal Prime Directive because technically the Federation doesn't exist right now? It's like, I just... uh, Granted, I will say this as a positive thing. I like not necessarily knowing where it's going. (laughs) And and so do the writers. Maybe, well, (laughs) remains to be seen, but maybe the the plan will be brilliant. Uh, and and I will shut up entirely, and or maybe you guys will hate it, and I'll like it, or vice versa. There's any number of things that could happen, but um, it's just like they're setting themselves up for a degree of temporal shenanigans that have not been seen, at least in terms of things that I've absorbed since like pre-crisis DC comics that had mm-hmm. like a bunch of different. Like the whole point was to to unify things. Star Trek pre 2009 has always tried to avoid in the prime timeline instances of divergence. Like it's always been about repairing some sort of issue and restoring the integrity of the timeline. You saw that city on the edge of forever. You saw that in first contact, very notably Uh, several TNG episodes were about restoring as opposed to breaking but they might be content to break and have things both ways. So you have the prime timeline, the Kelvin timeline, and then something new in the middle. And that's the only thing I can see. Like they're pass. If, if someone is going <laughs> to die and live, how are you not creating two separate timelines out of that? 
Oh, maybe you're maybe you're There's looking at it too. Something literally. else. It's like a right. riddle. There's some other right. answer yeah. to it. And yeah. maybe not, I'm taking it too not, literally. That's totally possible. Uh, time. Sure, there are at least two women named Renee alive at that what time. What you don't realize is that Q's middle name is Renee. <laughs> 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 so, uh, yeah. And uh, that is not a revelation that we learned in episode nine, Hide and Seek. But uh, there were some revelations that we learned. And let's... Uh, share them with you right now. Excuse me. So the queen, Soong, and the drones beam to La Serena while Picard, Talon, Rafi, and Seven beam to Chateau Picard. Agnes's Excuse me. Agnes's consciousness blocks the queen from the ship's systems until Seven and Rafi arrive. Um, there are a few interesting things that happened there. Uh, I, I, I want to take a second to, um, talk about, you know, I just kind of said that seven and Rafi arrived, but, but let's really talk about how seven and Rafi arrived by running through a field of drones that are mercenaries with machine guns, with a garden hoe. And uh, a knife, ice pick, an ice pick. Yeah, that's right, and an ice pick, um, and and made it to the ship unscathed. Uh, so that was uh, w- one one interesting choice there. Another interesting choice there uh, in the sequence was the choice of using Elnor as the emergency combat hologram. Does this mean that Elnor, the living being, is no more, Ty? Um, I don't, it's hard to, you know, decipher the levels of fake out that could be going on there. At first, I assumed that they couldn't possibly do this to Rafi and that Elnor would surely be coming back in reality. But then they had this weird moment of closure, um, that made me not sure. But then the fact that I wasn't sure made me think, eh, they're probably trying to trick me with that weird moment of closure. And now I really think Elnor is coming back. So I think I sort of feel like, uh, whether it's the end of this season or next season, I think Elnor has a happy ending. All right. Uh, Rachel. Yeah. Um, by the time we get to the end of this episode, uh, most of the, of the, or at least almost half of the bridge, from the end of uh, season one of Picard is gone. Uh, do you feel like Elnor is no more living Elnor? Um, no, I think he's going to come back. Uh, I think that they, you know, hired the actor for the season and they didn't want to cast more actors because of COVID. So they have to right. use the actors as much as they can. So you get talent is the same as someone else. And the Sung's daughter is also the same as someone else. And like Elnor's here. And honestly, I didn't mind that. I liked, (laughs) I liked the, the combat hologram and the fighting. I, you know, I didn't need to be like, confused 
or talk to or like have any reason why it's cool that Elnor is just fighting these Borg drones. Like, I got it. Like, that's fine. <laughs> like, I get what's going on. I'm not confused. Um, I was happy with that. So, okay. Chris, uh, were you also happy with it? Yeah. I mean, if, if anything, it highlighted to me that, well, I like this kid. I wish he was in it more. Um, right. Maybe it would have made things too easy for, for the characters to go through because when you have a, a badass like Elnor, then there's not a lot of, uh, of challenges to be overcome in the same ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I not only uh, expect that Elnor is going to come back, I think that he should because he adds a dynamic that isn't really filled by the other characters in the ensemble and I'm selfish and I want to see an Elnor and Worf team up. So I think oh. that would be cool and fun. Okay. Um, and I mean, look, look, Star Trek fans don't like when you give us something and then you take it away, mm-hmm. uh, especially when it comes to characters. Uh, that's yeah, that's, I, yeah, it's unique to Star Trek fans, but yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I feel about Elnor. I mean, they, they spent a, a pretty substantive amount of time developing him in the first season. They added additional context to his subculture in discovery, uh, which it seems like is kind of a, a backhanded way to, to build that character specifically up. Uh, they've showed us a lot of potential that he has. Uh, don't take him away. He's a cool addition to the cast. So why, why get rid of a good thing? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I I I agree. Um, uh, you know, it, more Elnor is is definitely uh, preferable to less less Elnor. Uh, Elnor, yes, Elnor, <laughs> am I right? Um, but uh, yeah, my other my other real question about this is uh, what what are the what are the rules of of this universe? What like what are the rules? Uh, Elnor is a hologram that has to dodge bullets. And um and Picard is he like a human or is he a synthetic? Oh, is, so yeah. in terms of him dodging bullets, okay. Because uh, I was curious about we were both were curious about that in the moment. Like, why is he like dodging these shots after the safety protocols go down? But he was wearing a mobile emitter, so I feel yes, like he, that was he was trying to dodge. He was trying to make sure that the mobile emitter didn't get hit. Yeah. Well, that's oh. a whole other thing because, boy, the internet is not happy about that mobile emitter um, for timeline reasons of why it exists in that period to begin with, but also oh, no. for the fact that La Serena is equipped with uh, you know, projectors right. throughout the, right. the ship. I don't really care about any of those things. I'm just pointing that out that it's interesting that the thing you, you, you know, the thing you brought up as kind of a solution to one continuity question was the, the thing that was absolutely. Oh, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's a silver bullet and solves all of the questions, but it, it like, why would he need to dodge bullets? That's, I guess, a reason if why he gets hit, then he just re holograms reconstitutes. Right. Yeah, maybe. Or did they say something about the the holographic emitters on the ship not working properly that necessitated the use of a mobile emitter? Or did no. I? No. I, well, not I didn't hear it. 
making a deleted scene. I think right. it just raises so many questions. We also saw people get beamed into a wall fatally. Yes. Right. Yes. And so it raises the question of of like you know I assume the hollow no emitter that you can hold objects and slice people with is fairly similar to you know there are some shared technologies there. Like right. I just I just don't understand. Like I don't know. Can't you just if you. Sword. Yeah, sure, but yeah, if you can pick something up, you oh, can right, right, you right, have right, right. a solid body, and why yeah, not just right. materialize something? You know what I mean? If you can materialize a solid body that can interact with the world around it, just like materialize a brick inside the guy's head and call it a day. I, do, I don't understand how any of this stuff works. <laughs> or go T one thousand, right? And, and I don't right. and yeah. I don't care how like it doesn't need to work. Do you know what I mean? But they like but, need to but, explain to me how but, it, how they but, want it the, the it to work. You're right in the sense of absorbing story correctly, but they also need to consistently follow the rules. Yeah, since like the rules, right, there has to be rules. The, the rules <laughs> that they lay down, uh, as soon as you deviate from those, that's when it becomes distract. It's like right. one of the things that Rachel was telling me when we first became parents uh, out of some of her parenting books, like when you parent a child and like when you have to discipline a child, your behavior has to be predictable and consistent. Right, and the same is true right. of of fringe right. science. No, sorry, just all I was saying is like you, Star Trek is full of things where, under normal circumstances, this would work, but in this episode, there's tachyon emissions, and so right, it doesn't. Right, right. right? just right. throw yeah. something so, in there, like yeah. you know, just tell me. Oh, in this case, the rules right. are such, right? And so right. this is what you can expect in the scene that you're about to watch. But right. when you don't have anything like that, it's just sort right. of like, what am chaos. I waiting for to happen yeah. here? right yeah but yeah. i understand your frustration in saying i don't care because i know you care in the sense that i just want the rules to be consistent but because the episode itself did not display uh fidelity to those rules as established yeah like it's distracting I care in the sense of like, you know, yeah, like through <laughs> through there being stakes and things that, right, you know, yeah. like, yeah, conse bad consequences that could happen to a character. You can put that character into dramatic situations. But like, yeah, you want to make something up about tachyons for this episode and tell me this <laughs> right. is how it is. Like, they've played so much with whether the transporters work or not this episode. Right. Like, I don't yeah, you think yeah, I'm keeping track of that at this point. Right. I don't care. You <laughs> just tell me they work. They work. You tell me yeah. they don't. They yeah. do. It's cool. You and, know what and, I mean? And, like, just and have a reason I for it. Right. And, and explain it and, and let me know what's coming but it's just like it just feels right. like in this. fact they they, they played they play with that uh in this in this episode specifically because uh you know agnes of borg had control of of the actual transporters but luckily talon has you know she can <laughs> transport anyone wherever she wants to apparently at at any With given at Captain any given Proton, yeah. Uh, yeah. tablet yeah, that she, she had, can, yeah, she can Mysterio her way in and out of whatever it is she wants to do. Um, so yeah, so like both teams had the ability to transport. Um, why they didn't use that transporter to just transport those Borg out of out of Chateau Picard um, someplace else? is is uh it's kind of beyond me but uh you know but again they were tachyons um so uh i i guess let's move forward well uh, oh here's the thing uh, i i asked this question nobody answered this question because i think nobody knows the answer to this question but the but the question is is picard a human or a synthetic what is jean-luc picard right now a golem 
He's a synthetic that has a timed death. Like Based a, on the physical parameters of the body that died that he was yes, in. Yes, yeah. Apparently. <laughs> I mean, they've already we, but, they already played with this with Rios telling the, you know, which then right. came back to, to like, they've, they've been very not, you know, forthright right. about even them saying, and like, not, even, no even yeah. the primary cast doesn't really know the answer to that right. question. And, like, to me, that part is sort of okay. And again, like, Chris keeps saying maybe it is going somewhere, but it does, for me, raise the question of, of like, what was the point of all this then? You right. know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I don't, it was mm -hmm. a very, uh, yeah, we talked a lot about how that transition occurred for him, but if it really didn't mean anything, then what was the difference between just somebody coming in and saying, Hey, we found a cure, take this, take this pill. And, and right. you know, you're, you're no longer, uh, about to die and you'll live a normal right. lifespan. Cause yeah, that, that seems gonna, to be the only difference it. and you can't get defibrillated or else it blows up. Right. Um, it's, it's an Armin Tanzarian situation. So there was an but, episode of The Simpsons where Seymour <laughs> Skinner was actually an imposter and his Armin right. Tanzarian. And they just never, they're like, let's never speak of it again. Of it again. Yeah. And it never um, did. But, but, but like, at some point Such during the course Such a good reference, Rachel. Right? <laughs> at, at some point during the course of the season, um, Picard told Girardi that he could be assimilated and he didn't want to go through that again. And I like, so it, it, rules, rules, rules are for suckers. Um, and that's what we need to learn, uh, uh about, about this season. Um, more about this episode. Uh, Rafi and Seven try to use the ship against the Queen, but she mortally wounds Seven. After they after they send Rios, Teresa, and her son to safety, Picard and Talon escape from Soon, and the drones in the tunnels beneath the uh, and the drones and the drones in the tunnels beneath the chateau. Why did it seem that Chateau Picard was older than Picard's flashbacks that were actually flash forwards uh, than it did in the twenty first century? Chris, uh, I don't have a good answer for that. Um, I don't know. I mean, it seems like maybe the Chateau could have undergone some kind of restoration work by the time Picard was a child. Wait, they explained that. They did? He did said they? that no one was living there because the Picards hadn't come there yet. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So, like, yes, it was, but no, but it looked... It so it while it was dilapidated, it looked like it was in better condition. In it the looked future. more. It looked more modern, even in the dilapidated state, than it did. Well, do you have like in a the twenty fourth century? Do you have like a theory, Cicero? I have no theories whatsoever um, about why uh a, a a kid in the 24th century looked like he I, was 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 little little lord frontleroy um, <laughs> yeah i move i move uh i move for unanimous consent to agree to not care why the chateau looks different in the uh, yes. in the flash forward versus the flashback because unless they're trying to say something about it yeah i mean really what are we doing you know what i mean like we're just sitting around right. wondering why a set looks a certain way like what is this show about you know 
Well, that's what it's come to. That's you know, like I'm trying <laughs> well, it, to find. So his his memories are dark in that place. That might have something sure. to do with it too. Memories. That's sure. what I'm trying. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of trying to push towards. Is like to let's yeah, let's yeah. dig into Picard's memories because if yeah. if that's not what the show is about, then I I have no idea. So uh, yeah, so trigger trigger warning for our our, our next conversation. Uh, Picard recalls his mother having a mental break while they were playing hide and seek in the tunnels when he was a boy, after which she ended her own life. Um, Discussing this with Talon helps Picard come to terms with it. Soon corners them, but Rios beams back and forces him to flee. Um, This is where I felt my, my feelings for this arc turned a corner, but maybe not a positive corner for this season. I feel like the writers did a great job of adding nuance to Picard's memories of his mother and added mystery to the time we saw his mother previously. Um, do you agree with that? Uh, and and I, you know, and and before I we we go ahead and and answer that question, I I do want to kind of um, as we're as we're kind of piling on 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 the on the show, I do want to kind of take the time to say um, really bad job by them for being as graphic as they were with the depiction of of how uh um the Jean-Luc Picard's mother ended ended her life and for for not being thoughtful enough to um perhaps forewarn anyone who may have been watching that and may have been sensitive to those things so uh so you know you guys feel free to add add or or subtract whatever you'd like from that from that particular statement but uh do you agree with the fact that they've that they seem to add a little bit of of nuance to uh to the character of Jean-Luc Picard um and and kind of help justify what this arc has been about um or do you think that this was them going a little too far or somewhere in between. Uh, Rachel, I'll start with you. I didn't like it. Um, first of all, we already saw his mom as an old lady. And right. then he's trying to say, oh, I like used to imagine her as an old lady. I'm like, okay. Right. And second of all, like, I was like, I felt like the uh, <laughs> defining sort of relationship for Picard before the season was his relationship with his brother, Robert. Right who doesn't seem to exist. Um, (laughs) And it doesn't make sense that Picard has just suppressed his memories of his mom's tragic death. And Robert doesn't bring it up and Robert doesn't blame him or that it just like, doesn't factor into that relationship at all. Like, they didn't even mention it. It's just, like, it's just, I don't know. It's just, like, little things like that are just driving me insane. And that I feel like the writers expect us to bring so much of our own knowledge to the show. To, like, give, like, cues dying meaning. To give things meaning. But it's like, oh, but also Guinan doesn't recognize Picard, even though we know they've met. And we've met parts of Picard's family and what we know doesn't really mesh with that or isn't enmeshed into what we know about Picard's family. I just 
like you you can't have it both ways where like I am bringing all my knowledge when it's convenient but then when like but you also get to just rewrite things <laughs> and like have a self-contained story when it when it's convenient for you and so like I I appreciate like what they're trying to do with this but it just like for Picard like didn't it didn't click well with me at all. Um, and then I have, you know, I had read um, uh, the autobiography of Jean-Luc Picard, where the right the author of that book, I forget who it was. Who was it, Chris? Uh, David A. Goodman. Yeah. Had a really poignant story where Picard's mother had died of a neurodegenerative disease and his memory of her in that TNG episode where he like envisions her in the hallway is like one of his last memories of her where she's sort of like losing her mind kind of and so it it just that just like added so much to that for me and then I feel like this like took that away and I I don't like that either which maybe that's selfish of me but like yeah I just I I mean you know but it's it's not like you you penned an official story. You read the the autobiography <laughs> that was produced by the you know by the uh, you know or at least it was created under the 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 care and the auspices of the uh, like of the sh- stewards of this franchise. Sure. Yeah. So you know, I mean, uh, like I I think I mean you got it from the source. Right, but like Chris is always telling me that the books aren't canon, so try it. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, uh, the books aren't canon. Is is this story about Picard and and his mother canon? Yes, by definition. Okay, um, but you know, like uh, the debate about what has been canonized. Uh, rages across several different franchises, you know, um, and it seems like new explorations of longstanding franchises are particularly prone to uh, lamentations by longtime fans about what has become canon. Some of those conversations are perfectly valid. Some of them are not. Um, this instance is tricky because I, for a long time, have felt that uh, when it comes to an artistic pursuit, depictions of uncomfortable subject matter should not be off limits because those depictions can help to draw a contrast uh, between, in some cases, good versus evil. You know, like showing uh, a, an evil villain doing evil things can be very necessary in the context of a story to uh, shock the audience into understanding what the moral and emotional stakes can be. When it comes to events or acts that don't have that kind of a moral dividing line, things get trickier um, because you're dealing in this instance with subject matter that will inevitably strike people a certain way. Um, my life has been touched by suicide, not directly by a family member, but certainly by a, a very dear friend of mine. And you're just left asking so many questions, you know, why? 
what could I have done differently to affect a different outcome? And it seems like Picard in this episode asks a lot of those questions and there could be fertile storytelling ground to explore those kinds of questions. Whether or not this was the appropriate venue to apply those questions to him is totally debatable. And I don't have a very well-developed answer when it comes to that. The depiction of the act itself has bothered a lot of people. And um, I totally understand that. Everyone is going to have uh, different thoughts depending on how uh, how your own life might have been affected by uh, by those kinds of actions by another person. And there is no wrong answer to the way that uh, that people will try to come to terms with something so devastating taking place. Um, it's really up to the individual. So uh, when it comes to a depiction like this being such a prominent component of an episode, um, maybe they should have telegraphed that far better than they did because uh, you have fans who are not part of the not my track crowd that we've talked about a lot on this show who are really calling foul and uh, expressing disappointment with the way that uh, that this suicide and self-harm was depicted and um, it there, there's no there's no right or, or wrong answer to it, but you, I think, have to take into account the feelings of your audience when you do depict something like that. Like it's more expected going into like maybe a a drama film that deals with the nature of uh, an individual's mortality, particularly if they're touched by mental illness of some kind. Uh, it's less expected of Star Trek, and I think that's where it's become so jarring. That's not to say that this kind of material should be off limits for Star Trek, um, but it needs to be handled with the utmost care. And this is an instance where it may not have been. So, um, you know, uh, uh, I have a lot of empathy for people who have expressed their misgivings uh, in online venues in particular where I've seen them. Um, And I do like, I always say, especially in other shows that I'm a part of, I always like when a story has ambition. Um, But in this instance, it might have missed the mark in terms of the continuity implications. uh, It totally recharacterizes what we see of Picard's memory of his mother, as Rachel already alluded to. Um, And it does give it a bit of a melancholic edge to it that uh, reabsorbing that episode I haven't done it since I've watched this one, but um, I'll be interested to see what the effect is in in reabsorbing that moment, knowing what we now know. Did Picard need this kind of an event in his life? That I don't know. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll reserve judgment for that at least until the season finale comes and goes. Sure. Uh, I think that that's fair. But, um, this might, for a lot of people, I know that this was an instance that just did not meet expectations or was just disappointing because of things that people have gone through in their own lives. Uh, and you can't fault them for feeling that way. So, uh, it's, they opened up a, a bag here that is far trickier than I expected them to play with. And maybe they should have, should have just avoided it. Ty, uh, what are what are your feelings on uh, p- 
Picard's revelation and and how it was handled. Yeah, I identify with what you said, Cicero, about their actual depiction of the act itself. I have absolutely no problem with the series kind of delving in these these waters of, of uh, you know these types of uh, issues and struggles that people obviously really do experience. Um, but you know, without putting myself out there as any kind of expert, uh, I, I defer to those who are experts in mental health and suicide prevention. Um, but, you know, my understanding, um, you know, even with past uh, experience of streaming services like Netflix and the show uh, 13 Reasons Why, uh, is that it is just uh, not acceptable to provide, uh, you know, graphic, um, detailed uh, kind of like, you know, operational or logistical details on screen, um, particularly without some kind of warning. So I was really... Um, yeah, I was upset to see that, um, in terms of, you know, you know, me in terms of the continuity and the canon, um, right. <laughs> that's fine. doesn't bother me, you know, but the right. point is, what are you trying to say about it? Uh, it's, you know, I sort of can understand, you know, it's great if there's a perfect continuity with TNG, if they change something because some time has gone by, you know, I, I can deal with that. It doesn't bother me. But to me, the bigger question is, what why are we playing in these waters right i don't have a problem with approaching this kind of material but um for what purpose and to make me wait another week to see if picard grappling with the reality of his mother um you know being a victim of suicide is uh it just doesn't it feels gross it doesn't make me feel good you know i'm I'm looking forward to this finale with a sense of like um, relief, anxiety almost, right? Yeah. <laughs> like waiting to see, like, oh gosh, I hope they somehow make this worth it, and I hope they pull it out. But I'm, I'm, I'm like sort of afraid that they, they won't, and that it'll leave me not feeling good. Um, and and I'll use that word that we've used several times throughout this episode is is like that is distracting for me, right? Like I, I wish I was waiting for the finale of Picard to see. Like think about last season, it was like taking so many wild twists and turns at this point, like, oh man, we're on a robot planet now. Like what is going right. on? You know? <laughs> and I was like really excited to see like, wow, where are they taking me? Right? Like I have gotten sure. on this vehicle and they have taken me through some crazy sights and sounds. And I'm so excited that we're about to arrive at the destination. Whereas this season, I feel like we've been like teetering on like a mountain, like highway in a blizzard. And like, I'm, I'm just like praying that we've turned the wheel hard enough in time to like keep us on the road um but but like it feels like we're one you know turn of the radio dial for me uh from from tumbling <laughs> to our to our dooms on the mountainside tunes is the driving cat um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh so away from uh something that was uh I, I guess uh, disquieting to something that just seems a little ridiculous. Um, Soong did everything but twirl a mustache during this episode. He even got his, to have his own Batman-esque quick, quick escape. Um, while I'm sure Brett Spiner got a kick out of chewing up the scenery as a heavy in the Star Trek universe, did it serve the show well as, uh, as it was viewed by this panel? Uh, Ty, I'll, I'll start is with Is that you. really all there is to it for this guy? Is just preserving his legacy? I mean, he is so full on just 
super villain. You know what I mean? Like just dangle like, hey, uh, some some guy told me people will remember me in the future if I like ruin this space mission for humanity. Better to, like, uh, you know, I, I felt like when there was like a something with the family connection and the daughter, I was like, okay, you know, I guess I'll believe people will do do wild things for family but really you're so obsessed with the idea of you having a legacy that you'll do i, I don't know it's not uh like you said brent spiner having fun was my primary positive takeaway from his actions <laughs> on this episode it was pretty zany chris um i'm, I'm sure you've got uh some some positivity some <laughs> optimism to add to to brent spiner's overacting uh, no i look i i honestly i'm kind of over the evil soon you know yeah. <laughs> um enterprise did it better and there was more of an arc for eric soon and that was only two episodes long or three episodes right. long I, I should say um and you know the shtick of a of a soon that looks exactly like data that looks exactly like eric that looks exactly like noonian um is running a little long in the tooth. Now that's not to take anything away from that family tree is, it's just, a yeah. Stick. Yeah. I mean, like I love Brent Spiner. I think Brent Spiner is a, is a world-class performer. Uh, yes. Like I yes. don't want to take anything away from that, but um, considering everything that this crew has had to go up against this season, he just feels like one component too many, you know, it just feels like, the primary reason he's here is to give Brent Spiner a job. And right. I feel like you could have had that job for him without having him play a mustache twirling villain that says, uh, no, fear and love are the same thing. Um, he's a baby killing villain. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. I just feel like to the, the addition of this song is too much for the plot's cohesiveness. Like we've complained about mm -hmm. that before. Um, and did it need this component on top of everything else that this, this season is attempting to play with in addition to Q I'd have, I'd have preferred uh, less Sung and more Q. Yeah. Um, yeah but I, that's I, just I, me. Uh, it's, it's just me too, uh, Chris. So you're, you're in good company, Rachel. Um, how do you, how do you like your mustaches twirled? <laughs> I, uh, I don't mind it. I was like, again, like I like when I'm not confused and, uh, not questioning <laughs> the logic of what's going on. It's hard to get confused about his motivations. Yeah. You yeah, know, this true. guy's a baby yeah. killing Sung. Right, baby killing, EV, yeah, uh, hit and run, you know, motorist, yes. <laughs> just, just terrible. So, Great choice, yeah, it's yeah. fine. He's swimming in the river of ham. That's right. good. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't mind it that much. I, I very much identify with what Chris is saying. Is that the the evil sung is very played out at this point, like. I don't even know how they're all related at this point, but like, and they're all evil scientists. Yeah, one of them should just be really good. That would be a huge twist at this point. Noonien wasn't evil. Like Noonien was was a, a good guy, but no, he wasn't evil. Yeah, but, but Eric Sung, I mean, 
the evil. fact that it's like they okay maybe that's what they're trying to do they're trying to tell an arc of you go from a really evil person and you end up with a a, a good and amiable cyberneticist maybe that's what they're going for mm, okay um, it only takes seven seven or eight generations yeah i guess so i mean like on the of, long game maybe it makes sense right. but really of just the exact same genes in terms of volume <laughs> Uh, I, I prefer the, the more cohesive, uh, previous songs that we have seen in the past, I guess. I mean, I also want to correct myself cause I'm like, oh, they all have the same job. I know a lot of people who have the same job as their parents or married someone who have the same job as their parents and working in science. There's an astonishing amount of people whose like parents and grandparents are also scientists too. So I, it's yeah, not that yeah. weird. I guess family, family business is family business for a reason. Right. Yeah. So, well, and when you're, you know, yeah, your mom and dad yeah. can get you a, a job in the lab, it's there you go. gives you a leg up. There you go. So it you, makes it a lot easier to get a job in the lab. So you guys think you're saying you don't think all the subsequent songs after the one depicted here are like secretly clones or, or like cybernetic golems or anything. They're just, normal descendants i mean that would explain a lot appearance wise it would (laughs) no that i mean that's a good thought it would be nice if they followed that up in a substantive way and honestly i'm still waiting for paramount plus to announce a 22nd century show where we could see eric soon again you know why not brent spiner is probably available and i have a good feeling that scott bacula is available like they've announced everything else uh, certain other cast members of shows are very much not available. Why are you leaving Enterprise on the table? It has gone through a huge reformation, and uh, that's a totally other podcast. I'm sorry, right. I'm, right. I'm diverted. <laughs> well, it's it's just another episode of Discovery Debrief. That's yeah, all that is exactly. Um, uh, so further on with the plot, let's end it up and and uh, say that Agnes convinces the Queen to change her ways and build a new Borg collective through cooperation rather than assimilation, truly becoming a new Borg queen. The new queen heals seven by adding her to the collective and then departs the La Serena for the Delta Quadrant, leaving a message for Picard. There must be two versions of Renee. One will fly the Europa mission and one will die. The end of this episode is where it most felt like Star Trek to me. And I know that sentiment is very controversial as I'm looking at Ty's face. Um, uh, Reimagining the Borg as a species of enablers as opposed to oppressors is a very quote-unquote Star Trek thing to do from where I sit. How does it sit, couldn't help it, Ah. with with you? Rachel? Yeah, I think... I liked that the most. I agree with you. It's the most Star Trek-y thing. Um, and I liked the sort of going into Agnes's head where it's Agnes and the Bor- the actress who's playing the Borg Queen and then going switching back to like what, like Seven's point of view where it's just the the Agnes like freezing and stuff. I, I thought that was really well done. It's probably a good example of what Chris was saying, where there are sequences that are well written within it, but it's the overall cohesiveness of the narrative of the show is is a mess. Um, right. So yeah, I I really 
I did I did like this. I did I kind of I wish they had maybe like telegraphed the the this more like maybe stretched this part out more and had her doing the battery stuff less. Um but like the pacing of it is off, but the idea the idea is sound and, and interesting to me. Sure. Ty, uh I, I know you were not a fan. Um No Cicero. Tell, tell, I wasn't a fan. I wasn't a fan at all. Um, One of the things that I've always really, really liked about Star Trek, um, I think a lot about Wesley Crusher here, is that it is a show... Uh, I've said this many times. It's it's about us, right? It's about humanity. It's about a version of us that is, it seems, um, aspirational but possible for our future. Um, But it's not just a version of us where people have suddenly decided to be better. Uh, it's a version of us where institutions exist, um, where uh, merit-based positions like joining Starfleet and going through the Academy is a very difficult thing. Uh, people, it's a very competitive process um, and not everybody makes it. Um, you can't just decide that you want to be benevolent and good and that you really want the world to be a better place. And here's your comm badge and your Starfleet uniform. And, uh, here's your assignment on what ship to go into. And as you can probably tell, that's exactly what I felt happened with the Borg here. It was like, what does that even mean? What does it even mean to go around the galaxy and, and form a new Borg corrective collective through cooperation rather than assimilation? Are you saying you want to form a government are you saying you want to form a club are you like isn't that what seven has been trying to do with the fenris rangers i know that's a different timeline but like i just i i don't get what the plan is here for the borg um and it seemed to me that it took about two seconds for that tension to sort of like reveal itself in the like where do we go from here um but i I really don't get like i like the idea idea but to me it felt like they this huge reach without any foundation being laid for it and i i don't get it oh dude they're space mormons what are you talking about they're going on um you know agnes of borg is going on um missionaries and you know in the delta quadrant she's going to set her set herself up on a planet and and talk about the greatness of borg and cool good and, luck and, but like i don't those, yeah you know i'm not invested in the success of right. that venture it just I don't. <laughs> well you know maybe the borg queen is the institutions of the borg Right. So she's it's really the strengthening of the society's institutions. I I don't know. It's it's like because we have such a strong monarch, it's gonna make a great democracy. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chris, uh what what did what did you think of, of this moment? Did it ring like Star Trek to you? I feel similarly to to you and Ty, uh, in the sense that this is conceivably what we want, right? We want uh, formerly implacable enemies to realize that um, cooperation is a far better path, a more noble path and a more just path than subjugation. Uh, we want at the end of the day for uh, people to be free to do what they feel is best for them as long as they don't hurt themselves or other people or other beings. Um is the Borg the right messenger for that? Eh, that I don't know. Um, <laughs> but like it also, th- this moment also made me kind of uh, re 
examine, I guess, in-universe prejudices that I have? Like, well, am I just against this because they're Borg? Uh, Is that fair? Is it fair when you're trying to apply that to a society that is built on a foundation of subjugation? and of overriding singular will maybe it's a it's a justified uh way of looking at at the borg and not necessarily hoping that that manages to uh to t- to take hold we've seen the borg before play a lot of uh tricks before their decimation at the hands of admiral and captain janeway uh, that have tried to take advantage of what they have often felt or what the queen has often felt as uh, as Federation naivete or hubris, depending on the shadow that you're looking at um, of that philosophy. But like, what does it say about me that I'm not willing to accept that the Borg are capable of such reformation? Um I, I, I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe it's a good question worth exploring, but the Borg have always existed as, uh, as a foil for, uh, everything that we prize about individuality. Um, but there is some good to be found in the collective as Star Trek itself has, has tried to, to opine in the past. Uh, just not this kind of uh, of oppress- oppressive collective that we've seen from the Borg. But am I being too prejudicial to a fictional species? Um, maybe. Like I, well, if yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna hold prejudices, uh, let them be for fictional species as opposed to real yeah, one, right? right? So. I mean, it's a. I like that there is some decent nuance to be had in a conversation about this topic, but. Uh, just in terms of storytelling and the fact that you are working in an established continuity uh, with a well-documented history of antagonism between the Federation and the Borg Collective, are the Borg the right messenger for this kind of idea? Um, or, I mean, maybe they'll tell a story where Jurati tries at this and fails, but it's also like, what are the timeline implications for this? Like, that's the thing that distracts me the most is that they leave... Uh, 200 years before, well, I guess like 150 years before human actually has its first contact with the Borg that itself was made possible via a retcon. But, uh, what does this do for Federation history? The Borg have a pretty important role to play in Federation history, in Picard's personal history, in Seven's personal history. This gets away from the ability to uh to uh reinforce and repair a timeline and again i just get to a conclusion of divergence of some kind well uh you know to to ty's point well said though chris to ty's point uh right after agnes of borg um creates this uh this new Borg Borg collective within herself um by saying that you know we're we're only going to um, aid people who ask for the help. They her first act is her just uh, assuming her, the help onto onto seven, right? Like seven didn't ask for the help, 
and and she just went ahead and, and repaired that's her. what i'm saying what did the borg learn to get them to this point right it, it's not like like she clearly stated the borg queen is not or borg Roddy or whatever we're calling her is is not ready to give up the amazing uh community of all the voices in her head um and she's she's not like um I, I don't know. It just doesn't feel earned, right? Like it doesn't really feel like she, it feels like she was in this hostage negotiation and she kind of sort of won it kind of sort of ended in a stalemate. And this was her way out. It doesn't feel like she embraced some new, Oh, and sorry. The second thing about her, like she, she hasn't given up the voices in her head, but also it didn't sound like she'd given up her pursuit of uh, perfection. I forget who it is. I think it's Rafi when seven's like lying there, but tries to convince her like, look, perfection is not something you can achieve. Right. And, and I don't, I don't, I don't know if she had, uh, if the board queen had had some kind of learning moment there, then, you know, I could see it, but it's like what Chris, you describe as like, uh, maybe you having a prejudice I see as not laying the groundwork. It's, it's like a Klingon just suddenly deciding one day, Oh, actually I'm, I, I'm going to earn honor by uh, being super peaceful and doing acts right, of right, goodwill. Right. Well, well, where did that, right. where did that well, come from? You know, there could, I guess there, you could say I'm prejudiced against Klingons. Well, there, you and Jim Kirk are in good company, but um, right. <laughs> there could be the shadow of something else that they could potentially do because what is the downside of collective? Well, it's groupthink, right? Maybe Jurati's intentions that start out generally noble uh, in the fullness of time themselves become corrupted, not only by the influence of the queen, but conceivably by the influence of every other mind that ends up joining this collective, maybe willingly. What happens the more you introduce different minds into a, a philosophical system, incrementally you're going to get shifts in the ideological direction of that society. So what do you have? You have a Borg collective that might start out uh, <laughs> espousing the principles of Reagan conservatism and all of a sudden you get to white supremacy, right? Because you joined Facebook. Like that's to me the shadow of a story that you could tell about the negative side of collective ideology and how it could lead to a slow – like death by a thousand cuts, Right. I guess it's possible to go the other way too, but I mean, we know how the Borg operates and what if they ended up operating the way that they did because it was just a slow turn of their ideology. I mean, we don't really know the origins canonically established of the Borg collective. Uh, it's been a huge point of speculation for decades now. Maybe and this is where it began. What you're saying makes a ton of sense and it's, really like appropriate that you just a couple minutes ago brought up the whole retcon of how the Borg, like, you know, made contact with humanity in the first place, because what you're describing right there is a pretty similar move, you know, from a writing perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and you know what? And, and that brings us to our final question. It's, and this is, this is the easiest, the easiest question, guys. We've got one episode left. Optimism level for a satisfying conclusion from one to 10. Chris, 10 being the highest, one being the lowest. I really would love to be able to say five. I can't. I, um, I'll go three and a half. Oh, all right. All right. Rachel? Two. 
<laughs> Ty. Uh, Strange New Worlds will be premiering. I, I mean, I think we would know the answer for me, right? It's, uh, it's a low number. It's low. How about you, Cicero? Uh, uh, I, you know, I'm going to go four. I, I'm, I'm going to be the most optimistic. You're most optimistic of the four out of ten. <laughs> right. A solid F. Right. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I want to believe that there was a method to the madness. Yeah. Uh, and and what and what we've seen over these last nine episodes, uh, and that there will be some chaos in in the tenth one, but I don't have a lot of evidence to support that belief. So there is the four, um, and that's where we are, um, and that brings us to an end of this episode of Discovery Debrief. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And if you would be so kind as to like, share, and subscribe to our feeds, we would be greatly appreciate. Uh, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, if you subscribe in a place where you can leave a review, please do so, and we'd be honored to read it on in the on the podcast at a future date. Stay tuned to this feed as we look to come back with more regular recap episodes of all things Star Trek, including the conclusion of Star Trek Picard season two, and the premiere of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Until then, go boldly, my friends. Please. <laughs>